Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. God at work behind the scenes. Now, in verse 13, David went over to the other side and stood on the top of a hill far off and a great distance between them, obviously wisely, he's not an idiot, makes sure he's got plenty of distance between them. And David called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, now he's obviously been calling out for a while. It's just probably about daybreak. So you're kind of getting a picture of what's going down. And he's just hollering out to him, kind of starting to vibe him, you know? pretty bold move on his part. He's just boldly crying out to them, kind of giving them a hard time a little bit. Do you not answer, Abner? He's crying out to him, yelling at him. And Abner answered and said, who are you calling out to the king? And so David said to Abner, are you not a man? Wow. Abner's a tough dude. So the, the, that's fighting words right there. So Abner's going to get straight upset now. Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your Lord, the King? For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord, the King. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die. Wow. This is what he's yelling out to Abner and to the whole group of them over there. You deserve just to die, dude, because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that is by his head. You can imagine, you know, he's holding that stuff up. Why don't you go look for that? It's a bold statement. It's a, it's a really in your face kind of thing, but he's making a real clear point hey man, God's given me favor. I could have come in and done, take it, I could have taken the king's life right now, but man, we did not. But you have not done your job in guarding the king. Really aggressive, aggressive way to wake up call. This guy's quite, you know, he's the, as we talked about, Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. This guy is like, he's the great warrior in the, in the crowd there. Basically, David's yelling at him, why have you failed? You've failed the king. You've failed God. Why have you failed? It's really challenging where they're at on a lot of levels. And then Saul knew David's voice and said, is that your voice, my son, David? And David said, it is my voice, my Lord, O king. And he said, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? Again, the same question. You remember David asked the same question before. Why are you coming out after me like this? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? He says, what is the, what's the situation? Why are you after me like this? What's the indictment? Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. He says, okay, listen, Saul, listen to me. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. If this, I, I wanna, 
I want to appease God by this. I want to offer up an offering. If in fact, that there's, if, if you're an instrument of chastening, if that's what this is about, if, if you're chasing me, chasing me to chasing me, you get what I'm saying? If, if there's something, some issue that I need to repent of or get straightened out, let me know. That's what he's, he's asking for from if the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed from the Lord. He says, if you're just listening to the lies of the other people about me, he says, for they have, let them be cursed of the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. In other words, he's saying, look at man, I, I wanna worship. Think about this. He can't really be in the tabernacle and the gathering. He can't be in the midst of the people of God. He can't be in that spot. David can't get there. And so he's saying, I, I wanna be a part of, of, of the family of God. I, I wanna be in, a, in the gathering of the believers. I, I, wanna, I wanna be in, in the midst of, of what we're, we're supposed to have as God's people. He's wanting to be in that gathering with them. And so now... Do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea. Just this harmless, you know, what are you coming after? I, I, here I've had another opportunity, a second opportunity to absolutely take you out and I've not done it. Why do you keep coming at, you're coming after someone who's harmless or as one who hunts a partridge in the mountains, just chasing me like this. And then Saul said, this gets real significant. These are some of the concluding words that we're gonna find from Saul. Some of his last words. This is his last basic interchange with David, okay? And so it's, it's, it's significant. It matters that we, we kind of catch this because this is kind of, this, this is his vantage of his life as he looks back at his own life, as Saul looks back at it, he says, Saul said in verse 21, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. Saul's life stood for all the wrong things. Basically, that's what he's saying. My life has represented nothing that was really of any value. Why would we stop and, and kind of spend a moment on this and think about this? As these are some of his, this is his final interchange really with David. And that this is what now he's been left with. And the reality is, is all of us, our lives stand for something. What is it that we really stand for? You know, I, I contemplate, you know, our, our, our world today. I, I contemplate, you know, our contemporary society. And I, I contemplate Christianity within that society. And, you know, we, we go to a lot of events. I'm, I'm around and engaged in a lot of events and stuff. And at some of these events and, and things, you know, I, I wonder, 
And I'm just gonna say this as plainly and as clearly as I can, because this is my heart on this type of thing, okay? Because the choices that we have as Christians is to pull away from society. You know, there are those, and I believe we're gonna see them on the other side and everything, that, so this is not an indictment against their Christianity, but the Amish have, have retained an, a, a separate identity. This is just something that's practical that we would see and we would acknowledge, okay? And I see, because I, I can go back just in my brief lifetime, this, my youthful state of being still, um, but I can go back, I've got just enough miles on me that see, I watched the birthing of the Christian, modern Christian music era that we live in. I, I watched it happen. We were, as a matter of fact, in kind of an epicenter for all of that in Southern California growing up. Maranatha Records was one of the first of its kind. Some of us remember the albums with the big dove on them and, you know, such artists as Paul Clark and, uh, you know, some of our friends locally, you know, but, but you know, and, and Mustard Seed Faith, you know, and then I remember Love Songs album after they had gotten saved, you know? And, okay, so now just stay with me on this thought for just a moment. I watched this happen and I watched what God was doing with that through, through people's lives. So they would then take their music there, what had happened to them? They received the Lord. They have this new life. They've been delivered from drugs and, and all kinds of other things and issues. And, and, and they were searching for something. They were searching for truth and they ended up at Jesus Christ. Now they're taking the gifts that they had with their music and so on. And they were in, giving interpretation. But the thing is, is they were infiltrating society with it. They, they weren't separate from it was bring an unsaved friend. You see, the thing is, is they really believed. I mean, they really believed. I mean, really, they believed in the product because they've been delivered. So I'm watching now some 40 plus years later, I'm watching now a multi-billion dollar industry called the Christian music scene. And we go out and we're entertained by people that are entertaining. I'm, I'm not against any of this. I go to the events, we are a part of those things, I, but I'm saying, I'm not deceived. This is not an outreach event. This is a Christian entertainment event. That's what it is. I, and and I, I don't think we should call it something other than that. That's what it is. But what I'm saying is, is what, where my wheels are spinning Ah, that's not going to be my epitaph. That's not what I want written on my tombstone. Wow, he was at some cool events, some separate from the rest of society Christian endeavors. Man, I want to penetrate the society and I want to reach people for Jesus Christ. That's why we have a radio station. If I thought anything would work, any type of music, I don't care. If it if it's can reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't be prudish and weird about it. We've got to say yes to God. God, please. We've got people leaving the planet without Jesus Christ. Name me one day that you remember recently that you can listen to the Kansas City News report that there hasn't been at least shootings and often, most often, fatalities from gangbang affairs going on. Give me a time. 
It's every night this is going on in our city. We live here. We drive in and out. Oh, for events, we drive in and out. You know, we're around a little bit. We may have to go in there for work every once in a while. No, this is your town. This is my town. This is our city. I don't care what color anybody is. I don't care what their background is. I don't care their education. They need Jesus. They need the love of God, period, end of it. Many people have never heard what you live with all the time, the simple salvation message, that God does love them, that God's not up there with a hammer wanting to crush them because they're foolish and because they're sinners. No, God loves them and God has a plan for them just like he does for you. And all they have to do is respond to that. I know in certain ways I'm preaching to the choir, but we've got to shift something in our thinking because I know I can go back to when I watched the original birthing of what is now a billions of dollar industry annually. Do you realize seriously that most of the labels are not owned. They're Christian labels, but they're not owned by Christians. It's all about that right there. Money. We can't be deceived about all this. Now, the guys in the bands, they're just wanting to get their music out there. They're just wanting to do their thing. This is a, a vehicle to help them do that. You know, and they're, they're just going with it, you know? And then we get a band that we call crossover bands. That means they play in secular markets and they play in the Christian scene. Okay, but then a lot of people want to bag on them. They want to make, they was, oh no, we just don't like them because they're, 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 they're just, you know, all their lyrics aren't as clearly, distinctly Christian or whatever. Oh no, the message is in there. The message is in there. And they're getting a platform to communicate that to people that you and I would never touch. We best be praying for them and encouraging them in their endeavors than picking it apart because we don't care for it. You see, this crossover thing, we get all this worked up about, well, I don't know what I really think about that. You know, I mean, home, you gotta be kidding me. The real deal is people are leaving the planet without the Lord. We have this opportunity. And I watched what happened when people, you gotta understand, when this started, the concerts were most of the time, no charge. Maybe there was a bucket that got passed, maybe. And most of these people had zero most of them wore no shoes. This is a fact. They had nothing. They just showed up at concerts, right? But the thing was, was these people were bringing their unsaved friends because their unsaved friends wouldn't necessarily come to church yet, but they would come to music things. They'd come to a concert. And they'd come and they'd listen. And then some of the guys would talk about God and what Jesus had done for them. Jesus had delivered them. And then all of a sudden, people were getting saved at these events. There weren't necessarily always thousands, but there were often hundreds at a time. Christianity was infiltrating and affecting society. Paul, the apostle, all the letters to the churches are how to live godly amidst an ungodly society. Not how to separate yourself and not have anything and pull away. So we go down to different events and different things that we see, and there's very few unsaved people at these things. 
That's not what it started out like. And it's not, and this isn't an indictment. This is just a statement of fact. And I'm just asking the question of myself and other Christians, well, is that really what the whole, what, what the whole picture is? And again, something's gonna be said about you. Something's gonna be said about me. What did we do with what was entrusted to us? What did we do with that? What did we do with the simple gospel message of Jesus Christ? What did we do with that? Well, I'm just into this thing and I only wanna minister to this group. You know what? If you're breathing, I wanna minister to you. If you have any cognizant ability to understand it, I wanna minister to you. I wanna share the gospel with you. I'm not gonna isolate that and only be, because God's after hearts, any hearts. I just want us to rethink a little bit what we see as the model. Because that's what I, I watched something that didn't have a model except for this take place. They used to come to the agape houses, the love houses and stuff. And they, after they'd gotten saved and they'd live in these communal situations. And they, this is 1968, 1971, 1970, this time period, and up into the mid seventies. They live in these houses. We, we had hippie houses like this around our neighborhood and stuff and agape houses. Some of them were just hippie houses and you could tell by whether it smelled like they're barbecuing hamburgers or they were smoking weed. It, <laughs> I could tell by walking down the street which type of house this was, okay? But you could also tell we had one that was behind us. They, everybody looked the same. Seriously, they all looked the same, but there was a very distinct difference. There was a distinct difference in their demeanor and how they handled themselves. But oftentimes they would go and they would stay there and they would be there for about a week, maybe a week and a half, maybe at the outside two weeks. And they'd say, hey man, listen, you've got to move on. You know, you're, you've been saved a few couple weeks now, man. You got to get out there and get in there and share other, with other people. You got to get out there, man, because we got to make room. We got to train some, there's other people that need your space, man. We got to train somebody else after a couple of weeks. It, may, it seems senseless to me, to you, possibly. How could you disciple somebody? Hey, they're saved. They know about a Bible. They own a Bible. They can read. Boom, you're done. We got to get somebody else in here. You know, this is just spontaneously what was happening. I'm not saying all that's picture perfect, but what I'm saying is that was the mindset. Man, we got to reach people. We've got to connect with people. We've got to identify with where they're at and love on them and share the God that we've known that saved us. We look at that and we say, that's what was going on then. And now I look 40 years later and I say, wow, what's happened? You know, what's happened in, in, in this? Is that still being used by the Lord in that way? That's just a question. Are we, and how are we, if we are to, which we are to, how are we going to impact our world in which we live? How do we really do that? I look at Saul's life. I have sinned. He wants to tell David, hey, you can come back for I will harm you no more because my life was precious in your eyes as dad. I want to at least you know, repay you for that. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. Man, I don't want that to be said of us. We missed an opportunity. I don't want that to be said of us. Brothers and sisters, I am telling you, 
There's a whole segment that we're missing right now. It's big. That is just totally secular. They don't really know anything much about God at all. The colleges certainly aren't teaching any, if anything, they're very anti that. We have a, we're developing a very secular society right now. My desire is to infiltrate, not to pull back away from, but to go into and infiltrate. And it's gonna take a different mindset. It's gonna take a different thought process. Brothers and sisters, I do not have any of this figured out. Matter of fact, I know a fraction less than when I received Jesus Christ back into my heart 26 years ago. I probably know a fraction less in certain ways. Because somehow the more you know about God, the more you learn about God, the really the less you really realize you know about anything. Because God's so vast and so awesome that you, know, you really don't know all that you think you might know. And David answered and said in verse 22, as we conclude, here is the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and get it. <laughs> David's not gonna trust Saul. Not after all this, he's not gonna trust him. He's not gonna go over. He's, no, you just send one of your boys over here and grab it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. He's placing his trust in God, not, not in Saul's view of who he is. He's, man, I valued your life, but man, I want what I've done to be valued by God. Radical. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation, all my struggles, all the issues. And Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. And that was the conclusion of their chapter as far as much interaction goes. Interesting when you kind of think about the conclusion, you go back to the first meeting. David did cut the hem of his garment and he felt really bad. But David's a good disciple, isn't he? This time, he didn't do anything like that. He didn't do anything that would deface or, or take away from Saul in that way at all. He just took a couple of his items, proved that he had visited him again. He didn't thrust him through. He was successful, wasn't he? He had victory this time. He learned from the time before. He applied what he learned, and he had a great victory. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. I know a lot of times as we listen to the Word, sometimes we really get convicted by God's Word. And you know, there's those times where we really need to repent and give our lives over to the Lord. The Bible, it says, for the wages of sin is death. You know, death is something, this, this destructive force, and it's this thing that, you know, our, our bodies are in this slow decay process. And, and, you know, ultimately, we all are going to have a physical death, but spiritually, you don't have to die. We would die in our sin if not for the gift of God, and that's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we want to receive that gift. We don't want to be paid the wages of our sin. We want to have everlasting life. And so you can pray this simple prayer of faith. If you've been 
you know, listening and just hearing and just knowing that, man, God's tugging on your heart and you just know that there's something more to this life. Well, God wants to make himself real to you, just like he's done in my life as I was once troubled and struggling and distant from God, partying, trying to drown all my all my sorrows as it were. But, but the, you know, the Lord is there and he loves you and wants to meet you right where you're at. Just pray this simple prayer along with me. It doesn't matter whether you're driving or out on a walk, just with your earbuds in, just in, in a place where you can listen on your computer, wherever you might be. If you're listening to this right now, you can pray this simple prayer and have everlasting life. Jesus, I want to ask that you'd forgive me of all my sin. I want to ask that you would come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. I give my life to you. I don't want the wages of sin, which is death, but I want the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus, my Lord now. I'm thankful, Lord, for your forgiveness, and I just ask that, Lord, as I start this new life, you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that my life might please you and bring you glory. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus, come.